from the only food bank in the state of North Dakota. This is the Great Plains Food Bank Podcast. Serving our clients with passion, service, and innovation. Getting a behind-the-scenes look at our operation, helping to provide needed food assistance to the one in six across the state of North Dakota without enough food to eat each day. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Voice of Hunger podcast. Your host, Jared Slindy, and joined by uh, the man himself. It's supposed to be his last day uh, tomorrow when we're recording this here on on Tuesday morning, but it sounds like he's already going to be coming back on Thursday to finish some things up. Who knows? He might not leave us uh, after all, but uh, outgoing longtime CEO, Steve Sellant, after 31 years, he's finally... Um, hanging up the overalls and calling it a career. Steve, last few days, it's, it's got a question. Is the fishing boat all packed? Are you ready to go yet? Yep, I, ha- I haven't had the boat out this year, so really looking to uh, get that out uh, probably uh, Thursday or Friday. So, Yeah, I can yeah. see you uh, exploring a number of Minnesota's 10,000 lakes for sure. So. I asked uh, Steve to join me on on this uh, not quite award winning podcast. Um, just to, you know, this isn't a rah rah, um, you know, heartfelt send off goodbye. We've we've done enough of those. I asked him to come on to. I want to hear the stories about the early days and and uh, that type of thing. So a little bit of perspective when Steve came on in 1990, um, the food bank had only been in operation for what seven years. So basically, Steve adopted a second grader and um, saw it all the way through um, elementary school, junior high, high school, through college years, and, and off into adult life. And, and just the, the growth this organization has seen over that time is, is just remarkable. And uh, Steve had a front row seat for uh, a lot of it. So Steve, I just want to start by asking, you know, those first few days, what did kind of the staff look like um, uh, when you first started? Yeah, we were a pretty small team when I first started. We had uh, a warehouse manager, Tim. We had a, a truck driver who also helped in the warehouse, Alani, and uh, we had a part-time person that helped sort food, uh, Bob. I still remember all their names, uh, myself. And then I think shortly after I started, we uh, also hired a part-time uh, office person, so uh, Ann back then. So, but uh, yeah, three and a half and then uh, four, uh, full-time equivalents, so uh, certainly a lot of growth since those days. What was the budget at that point you were dealing with? Yeah, I think our annual uh, uh, cash budget that we had to raise back then was $200,000, and of course, grow up to more than $6.5 million today, so uh, seemed like a lot of money back then when I first joined. Uh, they didn't tell me that during the interview, and I looked at that, and holy cow, how are we ever going to do this? And uh, and of course, today we, uh, you know, that's that's probably not even a week's budget. But you were saying the other day when the budget reached like six hundred thousand, you didn't know how you were going to raise all that and handle all that kind of all that kind of money. Yeah, that's uh, actually when we brought uh, uh, Marsha Paulson on, who's been with us, uh, um, I think, sixteen years now, and, and uh, she's been just instrumental in helping us uh, grow that budget over the years. So. You know, it's back in those days, I was a one person team and fundraising was just, uh, you know, one of the many things I did. Now we have a, you know, a full team here doing it. So it's it's been nice to see that growth, but uh, just remarkable to see the community support as, you know, their support's grown as we've grown. 
And then uh, staff has grown to, what are we at, 39 now, all the way up from four? 39 staff, I think. And then I think we had maybe two volunteers when I started and over 5,000 a day. So that's that's been a huge change as we've uh, moved along over the years. And uh, it's certainly some exciting times around the food bank as we're bringing on a number of additional staff now too. So that number is, is even gonna, gonna go up. So, um, so take me through a, a typical day then. Yeah, you're hired as director in 1990. What would kind of a typical typical day look like for you in the uh, old facility um, in those first days? Yeah, so I wore a lot of hats back in those days, and you know I might be uh, working on fundraising, writing a grant, or meeting a donor. I might be uh, uh, you know trying to solicit food, uh, working with all our food donors. Uh, uh, doing our agency relations, working with our partner agencies, and I spent a lot of time those first years really um, growing the program from just the uh, Fargo-Moorhead area throughout the whole state of North Dakota and recruiting new partner food shelves and shelters and soup kitchens, you know, program management, administration, you know, just a little bit of everything. And, and uh, you know, and even sometimes, especially after we started our, our daily bread program, it wasn't unusual that uh, if somebody uh, driver didn't show up or couldn't come in for some reason, I had a uh, pair of jeans hanging behind the door and throw those on and hop out in the truck for the day. So uh, fortunately I came, uh, had some truck driving experience before I came here and uh, was able to do that. So so yeah, it was different every day. Never knew uh, what was gonna happen, but uh, certainly exciting times. When was the last time you were behind the wheel of a straight truck? Oh boy. Uh, um, I can't even remember that, but I probably on and off my first 10 years here, it, you know, there was probably times I had to do that because we just didn't have, uh, you know, enough backup staff to do that. So. Um, so would there be a typical day when you would uh, be out on a on a route and then the next thing you had to go put a shirt and tie on and, and go try and solicit a big gift? Is that would that be common? It certainly could happen. So besides the jeans, I always kept a uh, fancier shirt and tie or sometimes a sport coat hanging in the office as well. And, you know, somebody called up and wanted to meet you and uh, uh, we just uh, dress up a little bit and off we'd go. So, yeah, you just just never knew you, you know, you planned ahead and thought you knew what you were going to do. But again, you know, such a small team back there, you just had to pitch in wherever and whenever. So, you know, the media might call, um, you know, unexpectedly, and uh, we didn't have a, a Jared Slindy there to help with that. So we'd, uh, we'd have to, uh, you know, jump on that and then put the story together with them. But uh, yeah, whatever, whatever it took. So I didn't mention I was going to, or I neglected to mention I was, this part, but it just kind of popped in my head. So in 2000, moving away from the old facility um, near downtown into currently where we're at, you know, 21 years ago, um, how big of a jump was that for the organization? How needed was it um, and all that? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly one of the, I think one of the most uh, important thing that's happened in our history, just because it gave us the opportunity to grow and expand like we have. And, and you know, we were in a, a old probably 100 year old uh, building that once had been a creamery we had stuff on i think three floors and had to move everything up and down on a freight elevator uh, uh, most of the floors had wooden floors couldn't use a forklift just you know 
inefficient, um, you know, probably not as safe as we'd like in terms of food safety and our personal safety, although uh, the uh, tours, the kids love to ride up and down in that squeaky old freight elevator. Uh, but yeah, to move into a, you know, a modern, uh, efficient, fully functional, you know, 36,000 square foot warehouse is just a huge leap. And, you know, I just remember that, that first day thinking, I mean, it, it was just, you know, kind of a whole different feeling like, you know, um, we are a big organization. We have an opportunity to grow and, 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 uh, I think it's, it's, uh, Kind of like uh, maybe moving into a new house or something. You, you just you, you feel good because there's that promise there of um, you know in some ways you you've made it this far, but but uh, you know things are just going to get better moving forward. Yeah, and now kids come to the warehouse and instead of asking to take rides on the freight elevator, they want to go in the freezer where it's 15 below. For some reason, I was like, just wait till January. You can experience that whether you want to or not. Okay, and now I want to hear them. Give me your top uh, 31 years. I'm saying five, but if you want to come up with three or five or seven or 20, um, your, your kind of top stories, memories um, from your long tenure here. Yeah, you know, as I've been kind of preparing for retirement and all the events and stuff and things have popped into my mind and, and I've shared some uh, different, but, you know, one of the things that I uh, popped into my mind was going to my first hunger summit in Grand Forks in 1991, and there was the uh, uh, executive from General Mills who decided on what food was going to be donated. And he gave this whole presentation, probably for almost an hour, around how food banks will not exist in five years. I'm a brand new person, you know, just hired for the job, and like, oh no, we're going to go out in business in five years. And, and in some ways, he was right because. I think within 18 months, um, we lost donors that were responsible for 50% of our donations because the, uh, the the food industry was changing so fast and getting so efficient and in just-in-time deliveries. But at the same time, we were innovating and finding new ways to find food and, and perishable products and things. So, so he was wrong in that. You know, we uh, we went from a, a million meals to over eight, almost 18 million meals this last year, but uh, but he was right in terms of the type of food that we had in. So, so just Steve always remember that and and uh, help drive our innovation in the early days. I think Steve's sitting in the back of that talk, updating his resume after he hears <laughs> that, and <laughs> here we are. Uh, exactly. So, uh, but you know, it, it was a good warning because because there was some writing on the wall, and and we were able to. Uh, to start some new programs that made sure that uh, we didn't lose a beat. So, so another, yeah, another one I just remember, um, moment I'll always remember is after the uh, 99-7 uh, Red River Valley floods. And, you know, you remember Grand Forks flooding and, and the buildings burning at the same time and, and coming in the next day and food companies from across the, the nation, you know, calling up and saying, what can we do to help? Uh, everybody had seen that. and in probably three days after that, driving up to work one morning, and there was 10 semi-loads lined up, ready to be unloaded from all these food companies around the uh, around the country. And, you know, and we stashed stuff into every nook and cranny. You know, we weren't uh, too big back then. Um, um, and actually, uh, 
ultimately, uh, the city of Fargo gave us the Fargo Rec Center, which had a couple hockey rinks in for the summer, brought in 110 semi-loads, but, uh, but just that feeling to see um, that support we had, not only locally, but from other food banks and, and Feeding America and their donors around the country, and, and to see those 10 semi-loads lined up there, ready to unload to help North Dakota was a pretty remarkable experience, I think, and, and uh, we've since been able to help out where disasters have been in other parts of the country, trying to return some of that favor. Yeah, I know we helped Houston a few years back, and then um, why not in 2011 was the same same story, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and uh, after quite a few different uh, hurricanes, we've sent loads around the country to help uh, help out with uh, those uh, recovery efforts as well. Awesome. Obviously, you know, just all the stories of the people we serve too, and, and uh, especially uh, uh, the hunger studies that we did. And, and a lot of times you may talk to somebody, you know, for a minute or two, but we would sit down, you know, face to face for 30 to 45 minutes and, and ask a series of questions. Um, you know, people selected at, at random you know, going through a food pantry line and and uh, one that just, you know, kind of popped into my head. I remember doing this up in Minot and and uh, a lady with two young kids uh, with her um, and, and we found some uh, things for them to do as we did the interview. But, uh, you know, just sharing her story that, you know, that she had a job, been successful, single mother, you know, had a house and but lost her job and, and some other things that happened. and and lost her house and and uh her sharing that you know they just had nowhere to go so um they were actually going back and living in the house that that they had lost uh with no water no electricity no heat um and just so thankful you know that they had food but it was just kind you know just one of you know the hundreds of the hundred plus thousand people and everybody's got a story like that how things quickly things can change. And and I think, you know, those stories really hit home that poverty and hunger is so well hidden here, but um, but there's a lot of that going on. It's, it's impacting a lot of people. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, it's just life circumstances and, and, and uh, people that were doing just fine and all of a sudden things have happened, you know, sometimes out of their control and and they're thrown into that and uh, and again just you know they they feel so thankful you know that there's food available and and we feel so thankful that um we have the community support to make that happen i think what you just said just summarizes um you know the reason i think you've been doing this for for three decades and um you know we we all get involved in this work i've said that you talk to 10 different people facing food insecurity, you're going to hear 10 different stories and every single one of them has a, a, a story like that. So um, it's, you know. Yeah, and the, and the fact that, you know, it, it really could happen to the majority of us just um, uh, that, that it's not, you know, it's not a certain part of the population, but uh, but a lot of time it's, you know, it is, it's a job loss. It's, um, um you know, just something happening in their lives that's doing it. And, and so we just don't know, you know, our, our neighbors down the street might be going through something and, and they might need that support. And, and uh, you know, and in so many cases, it's just a, a challenging times in their lives. And if, you know, if we can help for a month or three months or six months or whatever it takes, and, 
make sure they have that food and that nutrition, you know, to help them get through that time and get back on their feet. I mean, it's just so key uh, to do that. And, and, and then, and, you know, a lot of the people that we have helped in turn are now helping us. So, you know, they understand what's happening and, and they're passing that along. So many clients, it's a situation where they've gone through one difficult moment, one life changing, you know, whether it's a medical situation, a job loss, um, you know, something with their family. It's really remarkable to hear the, the different types of stories um, out there. And it's great we can provide the service. And thank you, Steve, for everything you've done to grow this organization, to be able to provide that for 146,000, over 146,000 individuals last year. So um, it's fitting that your last full year would have been 2020 because it's uh, hard to top anything like right, we, we went through. So, um, all right, what's uh what else you got? What else is on your list? Yeah, a couple other things that popped in. So, you know, obviously uh, uh, funding is important for us. And, and just, just a couple calls that uh, I remember from funders. Uh, and I, I, I remember, uh, I think this was back in 2013. And, and uh, the Bush Foundation out of the cities had just come out with their uh, Bush Prize for Community Innovation. And, and so we applied right away. We, we think we're, you know, I've done a lot of innovative things over the years. And getting that call from Maggie and you know part of it I mean it was just wonderful to be recognized for the uh, innovation but the other part was it came with a $500,000 cash prize and and that was our biggest donation to date and just that excitement about what we could do with that to start some new programs um, and then more recently uh, when Nathan called from Sanford and and it was after hours and it was an out-of-state number and I thought, oh, this is probably just, you know, a, a marketer calling me. But but I, you know, we were going through COVID, so I picked up the phone and uh, and Nathan Peterson from Sanford down in Sioux Falls calling to say that uh, they were going to make a million-dollar donation to our uh, COVID recovery efforts. So, you know, and we get to witness uh, it, almost every day we get some kind of an amazing donation, whether it's it's food or funds or something else. But uh, um, but to see, you know, uh, that level of support for the work we do is, you know, those are some awfully fun calls to take. So. So you almost ignored the million dollar call from Sanford. <laughs> oh, I, I, I gave it a thought because, you know, I don't, don't like to uh, have those marketers call it. You, you see those out-of-state numbers, you think that, but uh, uh, but uh, thinking that we're going, we're going through a, uh, a pandemic, I better, I better take every entity call I could, and uh, uh, certainly, certainly glad I took that one. So, uh, yeah, that's one you're going to remember um, forever. I wasn't involved in the call, but I'll remember when I first got that news as well, so. Yeah, and just uh, the whole community support uh, for our COVID response and, and um, uh, you know, close to uh, $5 million uh, uh, raised just for that effort alone and, and more than 7 million meals put out. Um, again, we just, uh, the community makes all that possible, so. Yeah, and the other thing that kind of popped into mind was just, you know, we started a lot of new programs over the years and, and you always kind of wonder um, what's going to happen, how are they going to turn out and, and uh, thinking back to um, our daily bread program, now part of our uh, perishable food recovery programs, but uh, back again when we knew we were going to um, be losing some of those manufacturing donations and, 
And I remember talking with uh, Dean Hornbacher back then and, and putting together this program to pick up all the surplus uh, food in the stores and, you know, and, and working with Dean to figure, well, we might get 10,000 pounds per store per year. And, and uh, a month later, you know, we've gotten 10,000 pounds per store in that first month. But uh, so, you know, a program today that uh, is bringing in, you know, almost 5 million pounds of food from uh, grocery retailers, uh, local retailers and Walmarts and Costco's. But uh, uh, we were one of the first uh, in the country that had actually put together a program like that. Uh, actually won a, another national innovation award award from Peter Drucker, the nonprofit guru at the time. Got to go to Washington, D.C. and get that. But uh, um, but again, one of those things where you just don't know because nobody else is doing it and turned out to be uh, super successful. And and then our mobile food pantry program, too, I think, and, and working with Melissa on that. And and I wasn't out there, but I think it was our very first mobile food pantry delivery. We loaded up a truck and went to Belcourt, North Dakota. And, and uh, I remember them calling back and saying, I don't think we have enough food. There's 500 cars lined up. Um, and it told us, A, we're doing the right thing. And B, we put together a much needed program, you know, for the state of North Dakota. And, and uh, I think that was back in 2008 and, and been super important. But you kind of remember those moments when, you know, you think, you think you've got a good plan in place. And, uh, but when you know that, you know, this makes a lot of sense. We did the right thing. We've got a good thing going here. And, and this is going to be a successful program. And I think one of the things we're probably proud here is that, uh, you know, we have never had to shut down a program that we started that, you know, we we plan ahead, um, make sure we have the support, make sure it's something that's needed and uh, um, and uh, and I've started a lot of programs over the years for kids and rural communities and seniors and and uh, all kinds of other things and uh, um, and they're all still exist today and they're all still doing important work. Well, I was going to say when you talk specifically about the uh, food recovery program and the mobile food pantries, like, yeah, I think those programs have done pretty well yeah. and they still are and they're absolutely crucial and keep growing. So very popular. So All right, Steve, you got any, anything else on your list? Uh, I guess. You know, I, I shared one, one yesterday with staff, but uh, the, uh, shared that probably the strangest donation we ever got was 10,000 jars of jalapeno flavored jelly. And, and uh, you know, nowadays you see more food like uh, those kind of things, but that was back in the uh, early 90s. And well, that might have been the, uh, you know, hardest product to uh, uh, to actually get distributed and to get people to try it. So, uh, so that, yeah, that I think was... there's still a case or two sitting on a rack 27 back there. <laughs> it, it was, it, it did take a while to go through all of that, but yeah, so we've certainly seen because, you know, sometimes, uh, the companies that we work with will be trying new products and, uh, uh, and sometimes they don't, uh, always sell right away and, and we'll get those donated. So we see some things, uh, that are early on the market and, and see some strange things come through here, but, you know, with, with all our different programs and all our partners and everything, it's pretty amazing how, uh, you know, we can find a home for almost anything that uh, that gets donated. For sure. So, All right, Steve. Well, thanks for uh, joining me on uh, this year podcast. Um, thanks for everything you've done for us for quite some time. And I 
feel confident we'll be seeing you from time to time, possibly in a volunteer role. Um, I could see you staying active doing that. And you're retired, so you uh, try not to work too hard in terms of finishing stuff up here these last few days. <laughs> <laughs> so, nope, and it, it's, uh, you know, it's been a super rewarding career, and, and I just feel blessed to have, you know, the support of the staff that we've had and the, and the support of uh, the community and our food donors and fund donors and volunteers and champions and advocates that that have made it all possible. So it's, uh, uh, I don't think, uh, don't think I can envision anything that could have been more rewarding and uh, um, and it, it's the people and, and the community that uh, have made it that as well as, you know, at the end of the day, knowing that uh, what we're doing is making sure somebody's going to bed with a full stomach and not hungry tonight. So, so my thanks to, to everybody that's uh, supported me and, and made this wonderful career possible. Absolutely, and things are no doubt set up for um, a lot of success here moving forward. What's the subject coming into this role here uh, beginning in a couple days and says so out to embark on there's next uh, bold steps here in in our work of ending hunger throughout North Dakota and Pike County, Minnesota. Yeah, had a lot of success, but I, I'm 100% sure that the best days are still ahead. So I'm looking forward to what you and Melissa and the whole team here does uh, over the next few years. Sounds good, Steve. Thanks for uh, joining us here today. Great. Thanks, Jared. I know.